I want to zag to the customer and I want to zag to the experience and I want to zag to the product offerings that we're giving. I advise clients to zag when everybody is zigging and then you can differentiate yourself in the marketplace and, and be different. Welcome to the KayaCast, the podcast for cannabis businesses looking to launch, grow, and scale their operations. Each week, we bring you interviews with industry experts and successful retailers, plus practical tips and strategies to help you succeed in the fast-growing cannabis industry. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Andrew D'Angelo. He is the co-founder of The Last Prisoner Project, and in the last episode, we talked about how he got started in the industry and really his journey and exploration and his ups and downs of building Harborside, which has become the largest vertically integrated cannabis company in California. In this episode, we're going to talk about The Last Prisoner Project and the work they're doing to really change people's minds when it comes to social justice, diversity, you know, all of this and and how The Last Prisoner Project is working to reverse the war on drugs, the negative effects, especially in marginalized communities, black and brown communities, and and what businesses can do, what dispensaries can do, what cannabis retail businesses can do to partner alongside The Last Prisoner Project. After that, we dive into a conversation where he is really unpacking what he does as a cannabis consultant with Andrew D'Angelo Consulting. And he gives some great advice about how cannabis retailers need to zag instead of zig and how by doing that, you can create something that's unique, a brand that really stands out and a brand that's doing something different than all the other brands out there. If you haven't listened to the first episode, part one of this conversation, pause right here. Go back and listen to the first episode because that really gives you the context for what we continue in this conversation. So let's jump right into the show. What was the inspiration behind starting The Last Prisoner Project? Because, you know, you had the successful business and then you stepped out of it to start a nonprofit. Yeah, well, Harborside ran into some serious funding issues when the adult use came in like everybody did. We already had some issues because we had been at war with the federal government and that was very expensive for us. And we were still in litigation with the IRS at the time that adult use happened. So our reserves were zero and we had to bring investors in and, and, and the investors felt like the only way they could get their money was to take Harborside public and and in in the canadian markets and that's when we exited because we didn't really know how to do that it was a transaction we didn't understand our leveraging position was not super strong at the end of that i was really tired of dealing with transactions and money and you know this this sort of predatory environment i was in with investors and I wanted to get back to our roots. And, I, you know, I visited my brother in prison when I was nine years old. And my brother got busted several times. And I got busted a couple times myself. So between the two of us, I think we were busted five times and spent quite a bit of time locked up. Maybe a year between all of us or maybe a little more than that. 
when you get locked up and lose everything and everything gets taken away from you, it leaves an imprint on your soul. And Harborside, like I mentioned earlier, we had a program that if you wrote a letter to a cannabis prisoner, we'd give you free weed. This relationship we had with our prisoners was always present in me and my brother because it wasn't just us who got busted. It was our friends who got busted and our people we did business with who got busted. And then you have to bail people out and you have to put up a legal defense and all the money you saved is gone because two people got busted and you're afraid they're going to roll on you and you're going to get busted and you, know, you got to get a lawyer. All this stuff happened. If we don't, as citizens, end this madness, nobody will. The government's not going to do it. Okay, They're perfectly happy locking people up. I just got a letter from a woman who's facing a sentence in Washington, D.C. in federal court. And she had a little delivery service in Washington, D.C. for four years. And I don't know, they they got her and, and, and she's going to go to prison. She's sick. She can't drink tap water and she's afraid she's going to die in prison. And it's still happening. People are still going to prison. They're going to prison for a long time, years and years and years. And Last Prisoner Project was started to try to get people out. And we're a post-conviction organization. So if you're fighting a case right now, we, we, that's not what we do. We, we help you get out after you've been convicted. So that means clemency petitions. That means trying to get a pardon from the president. That means putting money into your commissary account so you can help deal with prison a little bit easier. We do that. And once we do get you out or you get out on your own or oh, other people get you out, we, you can apply for a reentry grant up to, I think, $5,000 per prisoner. We've distributed over a million dollars just this year alone in these reentry grants, $5,000 at a time. And that's quite a few families and people that, that we've helped this way. And so that's what Last Prisoner Project does. All of our funding comes from the industry. We have two main programs, Rolled Up for Freedom, which is a program for dispensaries. And you can do it digitally or you can have a little bucket at the POS station and people get their change from their transaction and they roll it up into the bucket or they roll it up in the digital POS system. And we've raised quite a bit of money that way from just regular people, patients and customers putting in 35 cents, 58 cents, 92 cents at a time. And then we have another program called Partners for Freedom. And that program is for cultivators and manufacturers. And you can join our program and you can pay a little bit for each SKU that you sell and you can put our logo on not a small logo on your packaging to let your customers know that you're supporting last prisoner project and that you're righteous righteous organization so between those two programs we get the bulk of our funding that way we have some big companies like dutchy and ascend wellness and then there's also happy valley in massachusetts huge donors of ours so we're trying to get more of those big high net worth donors. All those folks are have multiple dispensaries and they're in the Roll It Up for Freedom program. They've just done so well that they're approaching, you know, a million dollars of donations to LPP because they've been doing it for a couple of years now. And th this is huge for us. It's huge for our prisoners. It's huge for our constituents. And these companies are really stepping up because they know that by the grace of God, they're not in prison themselves, okay? They're all breaking federal law. They're all breaking federal law. So 
until all of us are home, none of us are home. And when, that's why all of us in the industry need to contribute to Last Prisoner Project or the Weldon Project or Cage Free Cannabis or some of the other groups working on this. We're not the only one and everyone's doing great work and, and deserves support. What do you see as the number one thing that needs to change in the U.S. when it comes to criminal justice reform? Like you guys are working front lines. What is the one thing that needs to change? Or is there, there's probably like a hundred. Yeah, we need retroactive release and expungement. That means as soon as a law is passed in a state to legalize, everybody is immediately let out of prison and their records are expunged if whether they're in prison or not. Like immediately. No, like you have to go to a court or file a petition or go to some prosecutor who doesn't want to do it or all these other things you have to do now, which is just very burdensome to people. It costs money just to get your record expunged. And if you're in prison, forget about it, right? You're sitting in prison because you've been convicted and all of a sudden your state legalizes weed. And all these companies and all these people are making money legally doing the same thing you're doing at a much bigger scale and you're sitting there in prison. How does that feel? Can you imagine how that feels? It must be absolutely infuriating, depressing, disgusting, all at once, right? And so this is the moral dilemma we're in. And the government, we need retroactive release. We have not been able to get retroactive release passed in one single state. We have not been able to get, we've had some more success with retroactive expungement. And so that's the biggest thing. We need retroactive release. We need retroactive expungement. And, you know, I don't care if you're growing weed or trading weed or transporting weed, you shouldn't be in prison. Do you see bright spots on the horizon, like hopeful signs when it comes to kind of reversing some of the harm done by the war on drugs? Like, is there little pockets of hope or is it still just kind of a bleak future? Well, there's always hope. One of the things this wonderful plant teaches us is there's always hope. And when I had that first joint when I was 15, 16 years old and I was in so much pain, that was one of the things the medicine really gave me was hope. It made me feel good enough that I was like, okay, there's hope again. And that's very important. So it's a very bleak situation right now. We have high barriers to entry in legal states. It's really hard for small businesses. People impacted by the war on weed the most are having a hard time in the industry, participating in the industry. We have a crisis in capital. A lot of people can't get funded right now because so much money has been lost with bad regulation, the bad frameworks and the crazy taxes. So it's a very hard moment right now and it's hard to see a lot of hope, but we're legal in more places than we've ever been. Now we have to get good at making these frameworks better. We're still not as good at that as we need to be. I think we're all learning a lot every single day, but we got to get better at being political operatives, not just political activists. A lot of people are being driven back into the gray and an underground market here in California. People are just closing their businesses left and right here. And we're going to start that sweep in the country as you see the price crash. It's happening in Michigan now. It's happening in Massachusetts right now. 
and upstream, whatever happens upstream will eventually move downstream. So it's a very hard moment. But the hope is we're still making progress on the legal front. Places like New York, the frameworks are at least at least giving some kind of effort to address the wrongs of the past. I'm hopeful because I see that we're coming out of the shadows more and more and into the light. And eventually, I think the frameworks will have to change and get better for, I hope, our community. It's going to be a big struggle and a big battle, and it's, it's happening right now all across the country. The soul of the cannabis industry is really being battled out right now. I envision an industry that has large players, medium-sized players, and small players. And that's what a healthy ecosystem looks like. I'm building a dispenser right now in a small town in Ohio. Well, it's a small town. They used to have a steel factory there. They don't have a steel factory there anymore. Everybody's strung out on opioids. It's like really bad. But we're bringing this medicine there, right? We're bringing something there that's going to provide some jobs and it's going to, I hope, provide some hope for folks. That is a sliver of light amidst all the darkness that we're seeing right now. It is a tough, tough moment for all of us and that's why we really have to, as much as we can, stick together and, and support each other and call on those things within us that have gotten us this far. Resiliency, determination, not taking no for an answer. Those are the qualities that have gotten us where we are now. And we're just going to have to keep reaching within ourselves to demand change until we get something that works a lot better than than what's working now. You've taken all this experience of starting Harborside and Last Prisoner Project, and now you're a consultant in the cannabis industry, right? Tell me a bit about Andrew D'Angelo Consulting and what do you do with, with that business and how do you work with dispensary owners with that? Okay, so you're sitting in a state that just legalized cannabis. You're an entrepreneur. You maybe have another business that you successfully own and operate, and you're thinking about getting in, you want to open a cannabis retail shop. Doesn't matter if it's medical or adult or both. It's a dream that you've been harboring for a while, but you don't know how to do it. You've never sold weed in your life and, and you've been a business person and an entrepreneur and you've been successful, but this is an area that's highly regulated, super complicated, requires a lot of experience and expertise to really navigate these waters. And that's when folks call me up and my team, it's not just me, I have a whole team of other consultants and strategic advisors. For some reason, consultant has a really bad name. I think it's because a lot of consultants overcharge and underdeliver. I try to over deliver as much as I can. And I've done this many times. I've opened many shops in many states. And that experience of doing it over and over and over and over again, I've got architects and I've got designers and I've got real estate people. If you need to find real estate, all that within my consulting wheelhouse so that all the complexities involved in going from conceptualizing your dream of owning these dispensaries in your mind 
to actually cutting the ribbon on opening day, I take clients all the way through that process, whether it's helping you get the license and fill out the license application so that you can actually open legally or helping you design, differentiate your brand from the competition, especially larger companies. What is the architecture going to look like? What's the security going to look like? How are we going to comply with everything? Doing the local outreach and community building that is absolutely necessary. So a local group does not try to shut you down, which happens all over the place. And also, you know, managing the regulators because they're going to be, you're going to be communicating with them a lot as soon as they hand you that license. And they're going to want you to open as soon as possible because uh, a lot of games have been played about people holding on licenses and trading licenses and regulators are starting to get wise to that. So that's what I do. That's what I love to do is take clients all the way through that process. Some folks want to just get a la carte from me. So they need a pro forma and a business plan and a deck. You need a store opening plan. Uh, you can engage us for that. You need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace and create a brand that zags instead of zigs. You can engage us for that. So there are a la carte options available to any client that, that wants them, depending on what stage of the process they're in to open their dispensary. But what I really love to do is go through the whole process with folks from getting the license to cutting the ribbon because we really can work closely together. We can make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And there's continuity in leadership and concept and execution all the way through the process. We do industrial hemp. And we do cultivation and manufacturing of quote unquote psychoactive cannabis also. And now I'm getting into consumption lounges. I've got one client that's out there raising money for a consumption lounge that I think is going to be terrific if they can raise the money. And we're starting to get some more clients as those licenses drop in places like Nevada and Denver and Massachusetts. The KayaCast is brought to you by KayaPush, the cannabis software making people management easy. You give advice to retailers to, you said zag instead of zig. What, what does that mean? Like, you know, do the counterintuitive thing or, or what does that advice kind of look like? Yeah, it comes, it comes from a guy who wrote a book called Zag. <laughs> and I think his name is Bill Newmeyer. I'm not sure, but he also wrote a book called The Brand Gap. And basically, if you if you look at the big MSOs in, in the space and you want to compete with them, you can't do the same thing they're doing. You just can't. So that's a zig. They're all zigging. They're all called, you know, various different things. Zen Leaf, Vera Life. You know, they all have logos that kind of have something that looks like a weed leaf in it, but isn't a weed leaf, but kind of looks like one. You can tell it. And they're very sort of don't offend ever anybody right down the middle sort of experiences. Right. And they're all zigging basically in the same direction because they're more about scale 
than they are about anything else. And scale is only done in two ways. You either buy it or you merge with it. So all those big companies, they're focused on that. They're focused on buying things that adds to their scale or merging with things, usually distressed things, that are that help them with scale. But they're zigging towards scale. I want to zag to the customer. And I want to zag to the experience. And I want to zag to the product offerings that we're giving. I advise clients to zag when everybody is zigging. And then you can differentiate yourself in the marketplace and, and be different. So I'll give you an example here in California, in San Jose, there's a wonderful dispensary called Airfield Supply. They happen to be right next to an airport. So they didn't call themselves whatever the generic name is, Green Life. Um, they called themselves Airfield Supply. And they have kind of an airport theme going on. The visuals are kind of airport-like, and they got a little theme going on, right? A little bit different. They are doing more business in that shop than any shop in California. Any shop in California. They're, they're, they, they overtook Harborside, Oakland even. And they're zagging. Okay, they're zagging beautifully. And that's an example, right? Cookies. Another example of a zag. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking of cookies. Cookies is a zag. Huge zag. Who would have done that? Who would have had a logo of a cookie with a bite out of it in baby blue colors? Who would have thought of that? That's not something a big MSO would ever think of. And so it's a, it's a brilliant zag. And look what's happening to that zag. So the zags do better than the zigs. And every zig started out as a zag. Because <laughs> once your zag is successful, everybody's going to zig after it, right? No one's really copied Burner yet in quite the same way. But there's a lot of people trying. His zag is, is now pretty solid, right, in the marketplace. Well, it's like that old, that Steve Jobs, like, think differently, you know, try something different. Cookies Apparel is in skate shops. Like I see, you know, there's nobody else doing that that's saying, hey, we've got something unique. You know, Burner's putting out rap albums and doing all this stuff that like is is so different, but is it fits within the culture of cannabis. It's brilliant. And, and, and it's 100% him, authentically him. You know, it's another thing I advise my clients. When we, when we get in the whiteboard room, okay, I'm like, I need to see your family photos. I need to know all about your history. I need to know about what you love, what you're really into, the name of your pets. I need to know all that because that those are the raw materials we're going to use to figure out your Zach. Because it has to be you. It has to be authentically you if you're going to execute a good Zach. Now, there are some people who are like, I just want to zig. You can be partners with Burner. You can be a franchisee, right? So you're now you're zigging with a bigger company, all right? And there's some people that are more comfortable doing that as entrepreneurs, and that's fine. That's not what I do as a consultant. What I do is I help people zag because I think that that's just more fun for me. I've been trying to build these bridges between stoners and suits. I failed miserably, man. I got to tell you, just failed miserably. 
but if we could build those bridges, it could help a lot, right? And I don't know if we'll ever be able to get over the cultural differences we have to build that bridge or not. But I, I think building a bridge between stoners and suits is a better outcome than a war of mutually assured destruction, which is kind of where we're at right now. Nobody is doing well. If you're concentrating on scale and you don't have any stoners on your team helping you concentrate on the customer and the experience and maybe even your team, you're going to be in a world of hurt. I'm in Ohio right now and my clients and I are poaching all kinds of talent from the bigger companies because they just hate working for them and they want something fresh and new and different and local. They want something local. And so... I'm seeing that all over the country right now. And you have to pay attention to something other than scale and a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet because at some point, people will stop coming to your shop. And now a lot of those companies are building moats around their businesses because they're in limited licensed states and you know they don't have to worry about competition and and that's the thinking and that's what they tell their investors but guess what they're getting smoked by the gray and underground market so you know pick your poison what is one tip that you have for a dispensary owner to grow their business i mean you've given a ton of ton of valuable insights but what is the one thing that you would say I really think that it comes down to a very simple concept of caring about your customers, your patients, and the team that is doing that work for you. It doesn't mean you have to pay people a ton of money. Money is not the only way you care about people. If you're, if you're a licensed dispensary, your products are already probably pretty expensive, right? Compared to the traditional market. You may have more of them in, in different formulations and, and more interesting product, but they're already more expensive. So people are coming in and they're going to have sticker shock and be a little upset no matter what you do. That's when your, your caring comes in. Because if you truly care for people, they can feel that. And sometimes it's just like going to your general manager because you know three people called out that day and they had to work a double shift and going to them at the end of that shift or maybe the next morning and saying, hey, you know what? I noticed you killed it yesterday. Thank you. Thank you so much for showing up that way. I didn't have to give that person any money. I didn't have to give them a gift card. I didn't have to send them to Chuck E. Cheese's. I didn't have to do any of that. All I had to do was honestly and authentically and with love really love. Thank them, right? When that happens, people will perform for you and customers will come and will be loyal to you. All right. It's hard to get customer loyalty in dispensaries right now because it's a kind of a race to the bottom and whoever has that product on sale that day, you know, gets the business. And you can't have that product on sale every single day. It's just not possible. You wouldn't make any money. So that's a problem that we're all facing right now. But the way you overcome that problem, I think, is with this concept of caring. And you can express that in so many different ways. It can just be, 
you know, training your staff to smile and greet people right, making sure nobody's left alone and confused with staff standing around not doing anything. Come on. I loved, and all of you should love. I mean, I love walking into my shop every day. Love it. Love it. Greatest, best job I ever had. You know, best business I ever owned. Right? It was tremendous. Even though our net income wasn't out, wasn't really that great, but I was able to pay myself a decent salary. I had good benefits, and everybody was taken care of. Right? Nobody got rich, but everybody was taken care of. This is what can differentiate people. I take a look at diversity reports in the cannabis industry, and I take a look at compensation reports. They're both in the toilet. Our diversity, especially post-pandemic, we've lost a ton of female leadership in our industry. It's terrible. We are, are not making any ground with black and brown folks owning, operating, and being in the C-suites of these businesses. So it's just terrible, right? The diversity report. Then you look at the compensation reports and they just keep going down and down and down and down. And I'm looking at, you know, the rates that we're paying folks. And I'm seeing 10, 11, $12 an hour for bud tenders. That's crazy. That's too low. How can they stick around, right? And how, and why should they learn all about the products? And why should they? Why should they? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's that hourly rate plus a quota you have to hit or you're fired. So, you know what? That's just not caring. Now, if you as a dispensary owner find yourself in a market where you're surrounded by a bunch of people doing that and you care and you pay, say, 16 an hour or 18 or 17, or you get people up to 20 pretty quick because they're performing at a good level, you will have the best talent and you will have people that care. In my experience, people who even now who want to come in this industry, even at entry levels, they care about cannabis. They care about patients. They care about legalization. They care about this. And that's why they're here. They want to make a career out of this grand new industry. That's why they're here. They already are predisposed to wanting to do a great job for you. All you have to do is care about them. And if you do that, they will care about your customers, especially if you set that as their expectation, right? So that I think is the big thing that people can do. Um, it's a very hard environment. If the shop down the street has everything on sale for 50% off that day and you don't, you're going to lose a little bit of people, a little bit of traffic that day. It's tough to be loyal to anything but price. So that's my advice to folks. Care. Just care. Care, care, care. If we care, good things will happen. So if, if people want to connect with you, obviously, you know, you have so many different places they can connect. And we'll have all of those links in the bio, in the website, all of that. But what's the best way for people to connect with you and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, my website, andrewdangelo.com. There's a email me, connect with me button all over the place. And uh, it's info at andrewdangelo.com. And I get those messages quickly. So I respond, you know, someone will get back to everyone very, very quickly. Oh, man. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for taking this time and for sharing your experience and everything. It was it was so valuable. And I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Tom. I enjoyed my time here with you a lot. I look forward to next time. 
Well, again, I want to thank Andrew D'Angelo for taking the time. And there was so much valuable content that we had to break it up into two episodes because, you know, we we didn't want to cut anything. We wanted to keep it all in there so that you could have the full experience of talking to really someone that has been a trailblazer in this industry. If you are looking for any sort of help in launching your business from start to finish and and when you're launching a business, you need to think through each of those steps, where your location is going to be, how are you going to do accounting, your HR and payroll, check out Kaya Push. They're a great solution to the look, the feel, the brand. How are you going to stand out? And so reach out to Andrew D'Angelo. You can find him at his website, social media, LinkedIn, and and really take that time to think through how can you zag instead of zig and how can you do things differently so that you stand out in the industry. That's what we try to do with this podcast. We try to do something unique, something that's different. We try to talk to people that are making a difference in the industry, and we want to share those stories. So thanks again for taking this journey of the podcast with us, especially for this interview. And we encourage you to go check out our website, kayacast.fm. All of the links and show notes are going to be on that website if you want to find the links for Andrew or any of our other speakers. And make sure that you subscribe to the KayaCast podcast so you can get new episodes every single week. Thanks for listening to the KayaCast podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast app or visit our website to learn more about our guests and to access the full archive of episodes from the show. Join us next time as we continue to explore the world of cannabis and help you grow, launch, and scale your business.